Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, they, and I am on the unceded land of the Multnomah, Wasco, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Cowlitz, Bands of Chinook, Malala, Kalapuya, Tualatin, and many other tribes who lived where I now have my home. Before we get into the meat of today's podcast, I want to let you know what's happening. I am going to be having my annual All Hallows Archery, October 30th, 9.30 to 11. It's $50 per person. This is discounted um, to what is my regular, what is the regular cost of the Mindful Archery Workshops. It's super fun. We dress up in costumes, there's candy, and we shoot at pumpkins at the end, and then you get to take the pumpkin home. If you're interested, it's a really good gateway into the work that I do, and it's super fun. I'll have a link in the bio so that you know about it. This is also a good time to be thinking about Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa gifts. A lot of people really enjoy giving the gift of an experience and archery is a great experience to give your family, to give your friends because it it's meaningful and it's empowering. I've had families come and do that for their family Christmas gift from moms and dads and little kids to multi-generational families and it's a memory. You're creating a memory. So it's a good time to be pre-planning. I never pre-plan my gifts, y'all. I never think ahead of time, but my goal is to always be, you know, thinking about the people I love and what would be meaningful to them. I don't like the pressure of gifts at certain times, but I do like the idea of making memories with people. I mean, that's kind of the sad thing about having your kids grow up is then, yeah, you can still go to the pumpkin patch, but are you going to? I mean, maybe, probably won't, but I loved that. I loved the little things that we did as a family that were memories around certain times, memories around Halloween, memories around that time that we don't celebrate very much anymore in America, but maybe we're going to get together and have meals with friends, Thanksgiving, and the holidays coming. So be thinking about how you want to be in the world and how you want to celebrate it with people. And one of the ways you can do that is by making a memory with archery. I do gift certificates. You can book in advance, all kinds of stuff. Just get on my website. I'll have the link in the bio to find out more. Here we go. today's podcast is this did not get out on Thursday. It is Friday. I know that's not a big deal. It is to me because I try to, I don't usually do a bunch of podcasts ahead of time. That's just not how I work. I try to do a podcast on the week, sometimes even the day 
that I put it out so it's fresh and it's what I'm thinking about or it comes from conversations that I'm having with friends or people out in my community or things, that's, things that are coming up. And sometimes I just can't make that happen. So today is Friday, and if you're somebody that follows this pretty regularly, you would have noticed that I didn't post anything and nothing came out, and that's why. The reason, I didn't tell you why, the reason is yesterday was really hard. Um, I had I had a great day. I had quite a few clients, spent a lot of time on the computer having those Zoom meetings, and um, something was going on in my neighborhood. A neighbor of mine that I don't know was having a mental health crisis, and it was coming out in a way that was pretty violent to other neighbors. So I started out feeling very anxious um, and trying to figure out ways where I could keep her safe I didn't want to call the police because then they show up and it and it becomes an unsafe situation for multiple people, not just the person having the mental health crisis. I don't think police should have to be called out for that. Plus, I feel a lot of feelings about police. Um, I was worried about my neighbors. Um, I went next door. Their, two of their children go to my my husband's school and we've known them for the last... I think four years while they've been growing up and it just was a lot. I had a lot of feelings about the whole thing. So I knocked on the door after it all had kind of blown up and just wanted to tell them that, you know, I was watching and I was keeping an eye out that, that, you know, they weren't alone. And I looked into the eyes of the mom that lives over there and she started crying and I started crying. And it was a lot. And it's funny because I have a history of these kinds of things, having been a minister at the bridge, the community that I was a minister at for eight years and we attended for 16. This kind of stuff happened all the time. And I, I kind of know what to do, but it felt like I didn't know what to do anymore because I didn't feel like any of the avenues that used to seem like they were sort of safe, like you could call the non-emergency line or none of those avenues are safe for people anymore. And um, I did the things that I needed to do so that I wouldn't take that into my meetings with my clients. Um, I did some grounding. I did some breath work. And I, I'm starting with this because I want you to know again that these things are valuable and they work. I was able to show up and be fully myself for my clients. And it still was exhausting. And I still felt very sad. So all of the mindful and grounding work and breath work and ways of connecting that we do with ourselves. I like to call it keeping a short account with myself are valuable. And sometimes we still crash then at the end of the day because it's, it's feels like too much. 
And with everything that's been going on in the area that I live, there's been a major forest fire. We had to, um, we were swimming at my sacred river spot that I've talked to you about, celebrating my belated birthday with some friends that weren't around when my birthday happened. And we were swimming in the cold water and we were visiting and eating good food. And then somebody's phone went off and we had no idea we were in the fire area and it said, leave now. So anybody that was living in that area was also supposed to evacuate their houses. And it just kind of, it went from that to our air quality being some of the worst in the world since Sunday, last Sunday, and it finally is better today and no rain. And for those of you that don't know, I live in an area that this is the beginning, you know, September, end of September is usually the beginning of our rainy season that lasts, you know, until deep into the spring. And then there was a shooting near my kid's old high school, which is a mile from my house. And my husband was in lockdown at his grade school at the end of our block. And it's just felt like a lot. It, and it is a lot. This is like, this is stuff that, <laughs> this is stuff that's different than my normal stuff I'm working on in therapy and with my spiritual director and in myself. This is just everyday life now. And so when my workday was over and I thought about talking to you and if I had the energy to do it, I had to listen to myself. I've, I've said this many times on this podcast. I am not trying to say to you, do this thing that I'm not also trying to do. I'm very clear about saying, if I'm saying, give yourself permission to take a break, give yourself permission to not think about something for a minute, you know, give yourself permission to check out if you need to with the commitment to check back in, give yourself permission to miss a deadline that nobody's life depends on you missing. You can apologize later. If I'm saying to you, this is what I think is healthy for you, I'm not saying it because I'm not also trying it. And I'm also at the same time trying to look at that thing in me that says you're not worth taking a break. Because it's important that I look at that piece or whatever that tape is in my head that's like you're not worth taking a break, breaks are for the week, um, you didn't do enough today, you're falling behind, all the things mostly that I've talked about on here. I want to look at those things and I want to sit in the tension of that and also know when I can't do anymore. And yesterday I could not do anymore because I was just sad. And so instead of comparing myself to somebody else or to an imaginary standard that we've talked about on here that is imaginary but feels very real, I just said I can't do it and that I'd check in with myself today, which is Friday, and see if I could. And I have a little bit of energy today. And so I am. So this is, I guess, unintentionally, intentionally kind of a two-parter. Firstly, whatever 
whatever you do, if you're a therapist, if you're a spiritual director, if you're a teacher, if you're a student, be mindful of what you suggest and ask other people to do. If you aren't willing to also do it yourself and look at it yourself. Because that's a huge blind spot for us as people, like, to think that we know the cures for other people. To think that we're like, well, if you just did X, Y, and Z, you wouldn't be having this problem. Instead of going, well, you know, I tried this. It may work for you. It may not. Are you open? I usually say, you know, are you open to a suggestion? Because I have an idea. And if they say no, I'm going to not be butthurt about that. And if I am, then I need to examine that on my own. And I'm going to listen to them having a boundary with me and go, okay, it's not the right time. And I'm going to be like, good, they know themselves. Just like I want permission to say to somebody, no, I'm, I kind of know what I have to do. Or I, I don't have any room for suggestions right now. I'm overloaded with suggestions. But if we aren't willing to do the things that we're suggesting, like if you're a teacher and you continually beat yourself up for not being able to learn something quickly or do your whatever you have to do, your teaching plan or manage all the things that you're managing and there's a reason you don't know how to do it because it's something, it's a skill that develops and you're saying to your kids in your class, hey, don't beat yourself up, up about this math problem that you don't know how to do. You've never done it. But you're beating yourself up about the same thing. Then it's a reflection place that we can make in ourselves. We can go, I need to be reflective about that. Am I being kind to myself when I'm trying to learn something? When I tried to learn archery for the first time, my inner dialogue, my, my critic was running rampant. I was like, this is going to be the thing before I picked up the bow. This is going to be the thing that I am amazing at. I hope this is the thing. Maybe I'll go to the Olympics. I went that far, y'all. Um, and I wasn't good at it. And inside, I'm sure I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, you should be better at this. And then gradually I realized nobody learns well that way. That kind of learning does not stick. Yeah, we can learn something very quickly by criticizing ourselves or beating ourselves up. But the reality of that sticking and becoming something that we can do on a regular basis is less likely because we've filled that space up with the criticism and the negativity. But if we're gentle with ourselves and we're like, hey, you've never done this, or you're new at this, or you haven't picked up the bow in you know, a month, it's gonna take you a few times to get back in the swing of things. Your muscles have to readjust, whatever it is. Now, every time I have a person that's new at learning with me or even the people that I teach every year in Colorado, I'm like, you have never done this before. Why would you think you're going to be an expert at it? 
nobody, like, it's okay to not be an expert. It's okay to miss the target. You should be missing the target. It's like, you're new. And let's have joy in the learning because I'm not expecting you to be a professional. And I'm really trying hard to not, not expect myself to be a professional at something that I've never done before. I think I would have been a lot better student, a lot more compassionate individual to myself if I would have had more teachers that were like, you've never done this before. Let's figure it out together. I don't expect you to know it when you've never even put your hands on it. I think that if we can stay in those kind of stances of kindness with ourselves, open and curious, gentle, we, we are better learners, we are more compassionate in our world, we connect with people on a different level because we're not trying to fix them. Instead of, you know, looking at our own stuff or instead of meeting them exactly where they are, where they are going, this really sucks. I'm so sorry you're in this. Is there any way that I can help? Or are you open to a suggestion? Because I have some things that I've tried and it's sort of a similar situation. That kind of thing. Being in an attitude of being learners with each other. I think makes for a much more equitable society or place to live and work and be. And that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is similar. I had, <laughs> you can hear my pause. I had coffee with my dad this morning and um, he'd been trying to text me and stuff since I got back from Colorado and he's been blowing up my phone and I get really irritated um, because I'm working or, you know, it's I cannot answer and instead of just texting me once, he texts me like, three times, tries to call, I, I go through all of these things in my mind, like, oh, he thinks I'm ignoring him, or he doesn't realize I have a job, and then I get pissed. And then the other day, I was like, he is older, and he doesn't realize that the reason, it's not intentional. I'm just going to choose to believe it's not intentional. If it is, that's on him. I'm going to try to choose. That doesn't mean I'm not going to get upset the next time he does it. Um, but I'm going to try to choose to believe that this is an age thing and uh, he's not intentionally trying to drive me nuts. He texted me the other day at 5.30 and I had my sleep mode on on my phone and his text was, what is this sleep thing on your phone. What is that for? Why do you have that turned on? And I, later on in the day, I texted him back and said, I have that sleep mode on so that people don't text me at 5.20 in the morning and wake me up. Wink emoji. Because <laughs> he's used to people just, you know, answering their phone regardless of the hour or, you know, like, I guess 
he just leaves a message. I don't know what he's expecting. So I did something different. I, the next text I sent to him yesterday was, Dad, I have meetings all day long. I can't talk on the phone right now, but I will call you at the end of the day. And I didn't hear, he gave me a thumbs up, didn't hear anything back from him because I told him what I was doing. Now, I can't always do that. I don't ha- always have the energy to, to, to do that. But I did have the energy yesterday morning before all the shit went down. I did not have that much energy last night when I was trying to get myself into the place where I could call him. But I was like, I'll start making dinner. I'll do him. I'll call him while I'm trying to get other stuff done, and it'll be fine. He doesn't like to talk on the phone very long anyway. And it was ended up being like a five minute conversation. And he wanted to take me to breakfast for my birthday, which is super nice of him. Um, I am on a anti inflammatory food program for my Hashimoto's. So I, I was able to go, hey, dad, I can't go to eat out anywhere, but I can go to coffee with you. So he showed up this morning. We went to coffee and it was pleasant. He talked a lot about his men's prayer group, how they're bursting at the seams. I tried not to be anxious in, in the coffee shop that I frequent, like my dad loudly talking about Jesus and his men's Bible study and the devotional he wants me to read. And I just tried to go, this is an 80-year-old man. This is what he's into. And if people are judging me because of him, there's nothing I can do about that anyway. Um, I don't think people should be judging somebody for liking Jesus or not liking Jesus. So it's not something I'm comfortable with, just like I'm not comfortable with my husband's parents wanting to hold hands and pray in a restaurant when we eat together. I'm like, it's all show to me. For my dad, it's not show. He doesn't care where he's at. He's going to talk about Jesus. (laughs) And I like Jesus. I don't have a problem with Jesus. I just don't like to talk about my dad's Bible study in my coffee shop. But anyway, it was a pleasant conversation. It was quick because my dad really does not like to hang out for very long. He's got shit to do. We got back to the house. We talked for a few minutes. I was able to ask him to help me with a gutter problem that I had, which he loves that. He's very handy or he used to be when he could still climb up ladders and stuff. And then he left. And my first thought when he left was, why do I feel drained? A little bit drained. And there's a lot that's gone on between my dad and I over the course of our lives. And he's made amends for quite a few things. He's apologized, asked forgiveness. He's done a lot of work, more work than probably most men 
most white men coming from his background, his age, in the church would do. And I paid attention to that. It's sort of going back to what we were talking at the beginning. I paid attention to that thing that I do that's like, why do you feel tired? You shouldn't feel tired. Why do you feel sad? Why do you questioning the feeling? And I stopped myself after I said it. And I said to my child self, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel sad. Somebody can ask for forgiveness, even make restitution and work towards reconciliation with you, and you can still have a feeling about it. I was still a child that experienced his rage. I was still a child that he didn't protect. I was still a child when my parents, I wasn't a child when my parents divorced, but I was his child. And I saw how he handled his, his divorce. He abandoned me and my sister because we wouldn't take a side. I was, there were child parts of me when he didn't believe me when I came out about the abuse. He has been complicated and angry most of my life. And so both things can be true. I have a dad that has done some work and said sorry for some things. And I still have parts inside of me that are sad and angry and scared because of what they experienced. And so the work I want to be doing right now with myself is to just let that be. I can't fix the feeling of feeling a little, even though he was great, you guys, he gave me a cute little birthday card with 10 bucks and he said, I know that's not very much money. And I was like, dad, I think it's, it's, it's nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. I read his little devotional page that he wanted me to read. And I mean, it wasn't bad. In fact, he could pick worse devotionals. Um, there were things that I could do. And the fact of the matter is, it, I don't know if it has much to do with my dad anymore. I'm going to say that again. I don't know if the feelings I feel have much to do with him in the present anymore. I'm going to say that one more time. I don't know if the exhaustion, the overwhelm, the tiredness, the sadness, the grief that I feel has to do with him in this present moment anymore. He's the symbol of it. And it's still real. I still experience it. I still have to do prep work when I know that there's going to be, you know, like he, he's constantly trying to get me to go to his Bible study with all these men 
that went to my childhood church. Lots of people have wounds around church. I have some wounds around church. I don't have a lot of wounds around this particular church. I mean, there's so many patriarchal things that I could unpack. But in the grand scheme of the wounds that I've experienced, it's low on my... It's low on what I feel around it. It doesn't, I don't have a lot of energy around it. And I haven't seen those men since I was probably in grade school, maybe junior high. I don't want to have a relationship with these men. They're not in my life. And my dad is constantly trying to get me to do stuff with his Bible study. They're not going to want to see my anti-abortion shirt. They're not going to want me to bring full Angie to their meeting, and I don't want to keep bringing part of myself. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm 52. I don't want to go, well, I got to protect these guys, or I got to protect myself from these guys. I can't bring my full self. So it's complicated. He still does things that irritate me. Because we're humans working in the world, and other humans irritate each other. And because... I have wounds that came directly from him and shaped my childhood because he didn't deal with his stuff. When he does something careless, thoughtless, spur of the moment, it doesn't, it doesn't land like if you did it to me. Because if you did it to me, I'd be like, oh, we don't know each other. I'm going to assume that was an accident or ask you. But because my dad and I have history, the small, seemingly innocuous things that he does land in a different way because I'm his daughter and he hurt me. And he was the person that was supposed to protect me. He was the person that was supposed to show me that I was okay. He was the person that was supposed to remind me that I was good and enough and worth loving. And I didn't get that from him because I don't know if he knew it in himself. And so because of the work that I've done, I can hold those paradoxes at the same time now. But that's been, you know, it hasn't been the full 23 years of therapy, but it's been on and off quite a bit of my therapy. And so at this point at 52... I want to hear that why. Why do I feel tired now? Some of that is residue from yesterday because I'm still kind of like reeling from that. And my neighbor had another um, manic episode in the street this morning. So it's still fresh. And some of this is just because there is history with this person who I loved. I idolized as a child because he was my dad. I tried to be the boy that he wanted before he had his sons. And those wounds cut deep. And even though they heal, there's still tenderness. So maybe this is too personal. But if this other stuff wasn't too personal, then this it's weird that maybe this would be too personal. I had two C-sections, mandatory C-sections. Zion was 
32, 36 hours of labor, emergency C-section. Brennan was, we're going to let you labor. If it goes too long because of your condition, we're going to have to, or we won't let you labor. If, it, if she comes early, you can labor for a little while, being monitored, and then if she, if she goes to due date or after because of the way your kids' heads are shaped and your condition, we have to do a mandatory C-section. So I have a C-section scar like a lot of people that have had C-sections. And my youngest is almost 21. And my C-section scar still hurts occasionally. It is still tender. It's completely healed. And usually every year it kind of starts to itch. I'm reminded that it's there. It feels uncomfortable. Is, is the healing, is it not healed? No, it's completely healed. 90 percent, 90 plus percent of the time, I do not even know it's there. Except for the little belly shelf I have now. Can I get an amen if you can relate? I don't love it. Um, (laughs) My C-section scar is fully healed, but it is still tender sometimes. My relationship with my dad is probably pretty close to healed, as, as healed as it's going to get. I mean, maybe, it, maybe I'll experience more healing as time goes on and my dad allows himself to be a more tender, emotional, loving person. It's pretty healed at this point. Is it still tender? Yes. So I want you to listen to that. My wounds with my dad that I know of, that I remember, are pretty healed at this point. Like I'm not pulling out sutures by bending over or straining or whatever. It's pretty healed. And sometimes, frequently, there's tenderness. I can't hear what he's trying to say through the lens of my pain and my trauma. And I want to give myself and all of the parts of me who experience that grief and trauma and pain and rejection space and healing to just go, yeah, of course I'm tired. That was a little bit exhausting and that's okay. I'm going to give myself a treat today. I'm going to read my book for a little bit longer or I'm gonna none of these things that I'm gonna say sound like treats right now I'm gonna gonna take the dogs on a long walk you know maybe I'll maybe I'll make a decoction I've talked about it on here and I've been thinking I want to make a decoction which you can look that up it's basically you put a bunch of stuff in a pot fruit spices roots all the good things, medicines, elderberry, dandelion root, all this good stuff, chamomile, and then you let it simmer on the stove until it cooks down. 
And then you get an amazing drink from it, and it's also really medicinal. I made a practice during the pandemic of kind of using that to symbolize things or to just be with myself. I love to, you know, make medicine and do stuff in in the kitchen that is centering and helpful to me. It just, it is. And I've been thinking this week about making a decoction that kind of, I don't want people to drink my grief and my sorrow. <laughs> I don't think that sounds very healthy. But I kind of want to put in everything that I feel. The sadness, the, the beauty, the bittersweet, the, the restoration, the transformation, all of it into that decoction. And maybe I'll share it with my friends like I usually do. Maybe I'll just drink it myself because... I don't have any other exciting things that I can drink on this on this uh, special food program that I'm on. But I want to do something that's nourishing to me. That feels like I can take this child part of myself, the tender, the tender scar tissue, and be present with it. Instead of trying to make it, you know pull itself up by its bootstraps, make it be okay, make it not not be allowed to feel. I don't want to do that anymore. Whatever you're thinking about while I'm talking to you, it's okay. If it doesn't make sense of why you're thinking it and feeling it, that's okay too. Sometimes we don't understand when something first comes up and we just have to practice paying attention to it. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to reframe it. We don't have to solve it, fix it, make peace with it. We can just be in its presence. Sometimes it leads to something else, like it did for me today. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just the noticing that kind of releases the tension of something. But whatever you're thinking about while I'm talking, my hope for you is that you can give yourself space and love, gentleness and kindness, maybe everything that you weren't given or aren't being given right now by others and yourself, that you can give that to yourself right now, that you can feel or just be tender with that space and with all the parts of yourself. That's what I want for you. So in in a way that you can honor that, like making a decoction, eating some chocolate, going on a walk, sitting under the moon, doing some breath work, whatever it is, reading a good book, watching a trashy show. I I don't have judgment around that. I want you to take care of yourself so you have the space to do the things that you need to do, whatever that looks like for you. Because that's what we're all trying to do is just make sense of stuff in this world and each other. Thank you for listening. You are loved. I love you. Remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Have a good weekend. Take care, everybody.